We on? We're on. Excellent. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Life on the Vine with Dan. No, wait. Hutch. Yeah, you're Hutch. I'm Hutch with Hutch and Jackson. I'm, I'm Starsky. Starsky. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Starsky and Hutch. What? I'm trying to remember. The old one or Maybe the new one? Maybe I have. One? Is it Robert Redford? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe dating ourselves in a particular way by not knowing who was in Starsky and Hutch. I feel like I, I should know that. Given that my last name is, see, my Starsky and Hutch is the Owen Wilson. Ben <laughs> I was going to say Ben Stiller. <laughs> yes. Uh, yikes. Anyways, welcome to Life on the Vine. Thanks for being back with us. Uh, it's good to be uh, chatting at you. We're coming to you from the Hennessy Howard studio. That's right. Still the most famous person that I know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I almost did a little plug, but I'm, I probably shouldn't do it. Not yet. <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. So, Jackson, what are we talking about today? We. Um, that's a great question, Dan. <laughs> uh, I mean, Hutch. Um, today we are going to continue slash kick off. I guess we kicked it off last. Yeah, we kind of last it time. Off. Um, but we're kicking off our fruit of the spirit series with love. What is love? That, like, wait, did we end that the last time with that? The way that you've been talking this morning, I am impressed that you even went there you even tried <laughs> yeah i've uh so uh dear listener i've got some uh we had some sick kids last night didn't get as much sleep as we would have liked and when i woke up this morning i thought to myself i'm probably not gonna be able to do a podcast but i think my, my voice is better than it was but yeah. it's, it's not uh I'm, i may get some voice cracks in here we'll see that's okay puberty comes for us all <laughs> that's right so okay so last week let's maybe recap where we went went last time we were together uh introing fruits of the spirit book of galatians yeah yeah uh paul contrasts the fruit of the spirit with the uh desires of the flesh Uh uh-huh right yep and so we talked a little bit about that and um yeah and now we're we're digging in to and I'm trying to remember. We talked about. I, I I like the. I think it's. I'm struck by the language of fruit. Did we talk about that last time? I don't know that we really talked about fruit in particular. Yeah. In that language, we did talk about that it's the fruit of the spirit and not yeah. the fruit of Jackson or yes. Hutch. Yeah. A little yeah. bit, and we'll. I think we'll get more into that. Yeah. As we so. we talk about each individual fruit yeah but talk about the language well no i just it's it's striking language you get that a lot in scripture uh going all the way back to the old testament and excuse me going all the way back to the old testament and israel being likened to a vine that god cares for and you think about some of jesus parables likens israel in the sort of his day to a vine that's been cared for but it's not producing fruit and then we get John 15, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But just that, that language of, of bearing fruit um, comes throughout the scriptures. And I think it's sort of, it's, it's an interesting image because it is like trees, if they're doing what they're supposed to do, can't help but bear fruit. It's just, it's the sort of, uh, it's what they do what they do right they what right. where they were created to do it's not like an extra effort to produce fruit right an apple tree doesn't sort of work harder to produce apples it's just that's what it does in the context of a healthy environment doing what it's created to do mm-hmm. and and i think why that strikes me is that i think sometimes when we think about life 
with Christ, we do think about sort of muscling up and effort and, and like, we got to get up and today we got, we got to do it, you know? And, and there is, I think there are habits and there are things that we can do to sort of help the, the, the quote unquote soil in which we are in. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also this reminder in scripture that if we are in the spirit, as we talked about, then the things of the spirit and the work of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit is, is the natural outworking of life in the spirit that life in Christ has a natural um, result, which is what we'll be talking about, Uh, which is just, again, I think there are not saying like, you know, we talk about disciplines and we talk about a disciplined life and we talk about, so the, the, we've talked about habits on this podcast. Mm -hmm. All of that's really important, but, but there's also just that, that, that language is of something that is natural to, um, to the plant in the environment that causes it to flourish. I think that's striking language. Yeah, I like that. Um, I don't know. It's not not something that we take a whole lot of time to think about, about how plants work, unless you're yeah. a nerd like me. I was going to say, <laughs> or my, my wife. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I mean, I think that you're right. And then I think that you can take it a step further from this is just kind of the the natural outpouring of being connected to Christ and the it's just like a plant when there's things that are attacking it mm-hmm. it will affect what yeah. what is is coming out of the plant like what the plant produces and i think that that's kind of the the counter to what you're saying yeah. and kind of what Paul's getting at here is that the 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 flesh and the spirit can't coexist. When you have a diseased plant, it's not going to give you good fruit or as yes. much fruit. It's yeah. going to harm its natural state, yeah. right? But yeah. when the plant is in its natural state, we have a view of it being like thriving. Yeah, yeah, right. But that's just how it's supposed to be. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it isn't an extra effort. It's just the normal state. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I love that too, that idea of the natural state, because if you think, if we think about the context of scripture as a whole, right, like sin is the intrusion, right? Right. Like the brokenness of our world is our status quo, but it is the intrusion. And in some sense, you know, creation as God intended it is this life of natural flourishing in a sense mm-hmm. um it doesn't last for very long as the story of scripture goes but the, in some sense what christ does is restoring that right and, and enabling us to live back um in that relationship and and to to do that for which we were created originally which sin has impacted so we were just uh uh well we i say we loosely hannah we had some lavender plants in front of our uh, back deck nice. and they had died. And so she was getting some new ones, wah, wah. but realized that the soil, and I, this is where I don't know enough about soil, but the soil was like too good and lavender apparently needs better drainage. So we had to get grit and we had to get sand to sort of make the soil worse <laughs> um, in order for the, the plant to grow. But, just an interesting. Yeah, it just you know, depends like, on what you mean by worse or better. Yeah, exactly. It's what like, you're trying it, to grow. It is the. It is now the the soil that that plant needs to thrive. Right. Right. And that's what, as Christians, what is the soil? What is the environment in which we're thriving? Right. That's that's sort of what we're exploring. So I've got a question, kind of yeah. as we're talking about what soil do we need to thrive? What's best? And we're looking at the fruit of the spirit. I just need to know what's love got to do, got to do with it. We're talking about love, and what's what's love got to do with with any of this? Oh, everything. <laughs> uh, uh, man, if yeah. only Braveheart. If only it said love instead of freedom. freedom. Yeah, it's all for nothing if you don't have love. Um, what did love have to do with it? Well. I, yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, also striking, and this is, I was reading uh, John Stott. If you've never read John Stott, I would highly recommend John Stott. 
but he's got a book, The Contemporary Christian, and he's writing a while back, but it's still pretty contemporary, I would say. But he just makes the observation that the language is the the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, the Greek is singular. Hmm. And that it begins with love. And his argument, is least, at least, is that sort of the idea is that the fruit of the Spirit is is love and rightly understood and rightly lived into all of the other fruits of the Spirit sort of relate to the this, the to love. Mm. Um, and that they're all sort of interconnected. Okay. And I think it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I can get down with that. Yeah, but I think it is, the fact that Paul starts with love, at the very least, I would say is not accidental. I think it's not Paul just sitting down and be like, hmm, where should I start? Um, I guess love. Love's good, right? I'll start with love. It's like, I think this is intentional. Okay. That the fruit of the Spirit starts with love. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, I think two things. I think Paul likes to ramble. So <laughs> uh, a little bit of... He's uh, a rambling man. He's a rambling man. Yeah, so he likes to ramble, so there could be some coincidence to it, but I also think that he's very intentional, and I don't know if you can be both those things, intentional and rambly. Um, But, yeah, I think that that's probably true, that it's intentional, because of how much he speaks about love and the importance of love in the life of a disciple. Um in different letters that he he writes um he and he speaks a lot about joy which is Mm -hmm. the next one yeah um and and he he writes about the rest of the fruits of the spirit uh you know in in other letters but probably the predominant ones are love and then probably joy and that's without doing an in-depth look at at Paul, Paul yeah. in his writings and which ones he writes about the most. Yeah. But but I do like the idea of love being the fruit of the spirit and then everything else like coming out of that. Um because well not because, but I also have a a idea of and I think I might have said it on here before, but I think that the root of not the root of, but I think that all sin stems mm. from fear, mm. some some sort of fear, yeah. and then we act in, in in our sinful natures out of a fear of not having something or a fear of this is going to happen. Um, Self preservation is a fear of of um, not having enough for your life to exist or being in a situation yeah. for that not to. Uh, not to be thriving. So I think that the counter of that would be that the righteous things stem from love. And so I like that one. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I, that, I can yeah, get down with I it. like, I like that idea. And, and I do think, I mean, you know, when we, people have talked about sort of original sin, what's the sin of Adam and Eve, people maybe talk about pride or some of these other things, but it does seem that fear the the doubt that's put into their minds it seems to be is is God good is God holding out on you even if we're trying to seize something that belongs to God in terms of the knowledge of good and evil there's still in some sense like why would we need to seize that if we truly trusted God and we truly trusted that His love was sufficient right and it's it's a little bit interesting because like fear in and of itself is not sinful. Like mm-hmm. it's not a sin to be afraid of yeah. something yet. That's something that um, God and his messengers and Jesus talk about a lot of do not be afraid. Do not, do be, not afraid. be afraid. Yeah. Do not be afraid. Cause we obviously make horrible decisions yeah. out of fear. Yes. And, and that's like a normal natural yeah. state to be afraid of something, Yeah. but we're not operating in our, in our spirit selves or in our, um, I don't know, in a direction that's aligned towards God, usually yeah. when we have fear introduced. Well, and I think of John, First John chapter 4, the, the idea that perfect love casts out fear. 
because fear has to do with punishment and the one who is in that state has not yet been perfected in love, right? So there's a knowledge of God's love for us, which particularly that's talking about in God's love um, made manifest, made made concrete in Christ that, that drives out fear. Um, I'm so this is sort of getting us off love, but it's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm so I would agree with you. Uh, and yet I think it's interesting that the, continual one of the continual refrains we see in the old testament is that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the lord yeah right uh-huh uh and that seems to be and that's not just proverbs it's maybe most famously stated in proverbs but it's in uh it's in the psalms it's, it, i mean it's a pretty pretty big theme so what how does that is that uh obviously you've said sin is not necessary or fear is not sinful but how would you see that relating to sort of this, what you're talking about? Well, um, you know, in the garden, um, when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, they, they gained the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't say that they gained the knowledge of knowing what is good and what is evil. They just, we get it mixed up. And I think that as humans with that knowledge of good and evil, um, maybe not even with that, even prior to that, we're really good at misplacing things or like having misplaced priorities. I think that to speak to your question, we're really good at being afraid of the wrong things. Yeah. Right, and so I do think that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because if you're afraid of not having, well, a lot of times we call that security. We need security. Yeah. That's a that's a yeah. being afraid of not having. Yeah. Right, and we're not actually we're afraid that God's provision is not enough. Right, that yeah. He doesn't have our best interest in mind. Yeah, and He's not going to give us what we need for tomorrow that's being afraid of the wrong thing yeah you know yeah it's it's like my children are very afraid of thunder and i'm like no 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 you need to be afraid of lightning (laughs) and i know that those two are closely tied but they're afraid of the wrong thing they're afraid of the noise and not of the power yeah and yeah yeah (laughs) I think a lot of times we could be afraid of the noise of the world. There's, you need this, you need this, you need this, or yeah. this isn't going to fulfill you, or this is where your identity is, or whatever, and we're afraid of the wrong thing. And where the real power is, and who holds that real power, thank God that he is loving, Yeah. because we're afraid of all the wrong stuff. Yeah. That's what I think when yeah. it comes to that. I don't... I don't know if that actually answered your question no, in a satisfactory way. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, I do think we're afraid of the wrong things. And I think that so much, like you said, like so much of sin, so much of the ways in which we get it wrong are the result of sort of a misplaced fear, a misplaced respect, a misplaced sense of what has power in our lives or what has authority. Um, even sort of what are the things that can condemn us? What are the things that can diminish us? What are the things that can destroy us? We sort of have, yeah, we have a misplaced sense of, of reality. And, and so to recognize God as the one who has authority and who has the power over our lives, over the world, is, you know, fear in that sense of you're the one with authority, you're the one with power. Um, and I think, but it's, you know, it is interesting too that it is the, the beginning of wisdom, uh, it doesn't say necessarily that it's the end of wisdom, but it's the beginning of wisdom. I think there's a sense in which you can't, to begin the journey, you have to recognize who God is in God's glory. Uh, this is probably a very Reformed tradition, but you have to recognize who you are as a sinner, right? Mm-hmm. And that initial reaction of the sort of coming to a knowledge of who God is is, woe is me, right? Like, oh, dang, uh, that's the uh, Isaiah, you know, woe is me. I'm, I'm a sinner and I'm, I've seen the, 
the holy God. And, and yet in the midst of that, then what we are given in the face of our fear, our, our sort of rightly felt fear, our appropriate fear is love and grace and the knowledge that God is for us and not against us. Right. But I do think there's a sense in which the love of God doesn't, uh, I don't know that it can carry the same weight if there's not first a sense of and a knowledge of who God is and sort of with that a fear, right? The, the beginning of wisdom being the fear of God. And then what are we going to do? Well, we're going to receive God's love for us and we're going to uh, receive that love that casts out fear. Um, so I, I think maybe to me that's where those two are related fear and sort of fear and love but you know i i do think that the they are um they are related in any meaningful relationship like i don't know i don't want to misspeak i'm just i haven't really thought this one all the way through i'm a verbal processor so don't tie like you know don't hold me to everything that i say here it's just kind of spitballing it here yeah. but i think that in any meaningful relationship there is some fear that's tied to that there and it may not be fear that is um instigated by the person that we're in relationship with but there's a fear of um that they have some sort of of power in hmm. we we've given them some sort of power in our, in our life. Um, so it it could be a friendship. It could be a relationship with a parent. It could be a relationship with, um, a spouse, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm afraid of my spouse, but Mm -hmm. they have, but Jessica has a certain level of power over me that causes me to pause Mm -hmm and check some of my decisions and how should I go about this? And that's not fear driven, but there is a, um, uh, there is a certain level of power that she holds over me that I've Mm -hmm. given to her that, that causes me to, to pause and, I think that's very closely related to love and that, that for me to be able to have given that power to her was because of her love for me and my love for her. And so I I think when you get into power dynamics there, there's a certain level of fear Mm. in, in all relationship and that makes it meaningful because if you don't have any of that fear, then you can gallivant around doing whatever you want and you don't really care about the consequences, and that's not really meaningful at all yeah. because you don't have any fear of what the repercussions are, how they're gonna react to this, yeah. or um, I, th- does that make any yeah, sense? Yeah, no, like, I, I really, they're t- they're very tied yeah, together. I really I appreciate that, uh, and I gotta share. There was something that came across Instagram. It was some kids like piece of paper, first grade or whatever, and. Like, who is your hero? And my hero is my daddy. And why is he your hero? Because he's brave and courageous and blah, blah, blah. And is there anything your hero is afraid of? Mom. Uh, so <laughs> it's not quite what you're saying. But yeah. but I but I do think, I think that's important, even thinking about, you know, going back to the first John, perfect love drives out fear. Like, there's, I, I don't know, I, I might venture to say that on this side of eternity, we are not yet perfected in love, right? I don't love my spouse perfectly. I don't love my wife perfectly. And so there are things that sort of both love, fear, connected, but like the sort of, I can kind of check me of like, I don't want to disappoint her. I don't want to let her down. I don't right. want to betray her trust. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that do sort of um, can help to check the relationship or check actions. And I think in some sense with God too, like we know God loves us. We know God cares for us. And that's the, the, the sort of um, thesis of the document. And yet we also recognize the authority of God. We recognize the holiness of God and that we are still sinners and that we still do things that 
grieve God that that are contrary to the purposes of God, and and I wonder if, in some sense, on this side of eternity, that that is the tension, and yet what we are on the trajectory toward is that reality where there is no fear because because we've been perfected in love because the the ultimate end of humanity in Christ is sanctification is being made holy as Christ is holy as being brought into that life and when anything that could disrupt the relationship is done away with and is gone forever then there is going to be no need for fear i think so maybe that maybe that would be where I, I think that fear exists this side of eternity in imperfect relationships, but it's not, I would say, the end for which we are destined. It gets us back to love. Does this get us back to love? I think so, because if you're talking about perfect love, uh, cast out fear, and that's kind of the trajectory that we're on is to um, be made like Christ in this perfect love, then there's got to be some, uh, I don't want to say blueprint, but there's got to be some sort of direction that we're able to head. And like, okay, well, what what does that look like? What is love? Yeah. And we could take the easy way out and just say, oh, well, look at Jesus. That, yeah. that, there you go. Perfect love. Yeah. Um, which is not an incorrect answer. It's just oversimplistic yeah. in, in some ways. Yeah. Um, easy way out. Yeah. We don't want to do that. So we, we need to dive into love. Yeah. We need to dive into love. What yeah. is love? <laughs> it's going to be the theme song of this episode. Well, and, and Paul has just said, just a couple of verses earlier, has quoted Jesus quoting Leviticus 19 of... The law is summed up in the command to love your neighbor, uh, Jesus. As we all know, right, uh, quotes Leviticus 19 and quotes Deuteronomy 6. He quotes the Shema and then the sort of center of Leviticus in the law code with love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments, or the greatest commandment is the first and the you know, second is like unto it. So, but Paul's just kind of quoted that and then brings this idea of love under the Spirit as a fruit of the Spirit, um, the first fruit of the Spirit. And um, and I think, so we've, we've, we were sort of talking about this before we started recording, but I think that love is one of those words that maybe has always needed definition, but I feel like in our current world, sort of a a biblical sense of love is not necessarily what jumps first to mind for people. I don't know that it's necessarily intuitive. No, I would agree with that. I don't think that it is intuitive to... I don't think it's intuitive, period. Um, yeah. Because, well, I think that the word love can mean so many different things and we just kind of throw it around, Yeah. too. Um, we only have one word for it to mean yes. all of the things that it can mean. Yeah. Um, and I think that it has been hijacked at least in our time to mean uh, to to mean something romantic mm-hmm. i think that anytime we hear the word love that's exactly where our brain goes to it yeah. goes to some sort of of uh romance sexual relationship yeah. something like that yeah. um and that that um, that's really where we go with love, where I think that we'll get into it. Um, but love, and, I, and we all know this to an extent, like we can have a love for a parent and that's not a yeah. spousal sexual relationship. Yeah. Okay. And we can have love for friends yeah. and, and things, but those seem to, in our time, 
not hold as much weight. Yeah. When we're talking the, about when we're talking love about and love and what it is, what it is, yeah, they they those get thrown to the back burner and say, oh well, yeah, of course you love your, yeah, family, your brother or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you can love your friends too. Yeah. But we're gonna talk about romance. Yeah. Yeah. Bromance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and maybe uh, so some of you will know this, but maybe just helpful to. Uh, pull on C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves. There's four Greek words for love that are used in scripture in some capacity. Uh, storge, uh, philia, eros, and agape. Um, and as, essentially it's the categories that you mentioned. So storge is, and I don't know if the word ever stands alone, but it's attached to different words. And it's that familial love love of family, love of country, sort of the natural bonds that we feel in some sense by biology, by like we are born into a situation and there's a certain love that we share in that context. Uh, Philia love is the brother, you know, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Though if you've ever been there, there's not a lot of, (laughs) there's not a lot of brotherly love. Um, Shout out to my friends who live in the Philadelphia area. Especially their their fans, man. Eagles fans. Yeah. I tell you what, John, like if you're listening, not that you listen, but brotherly love of like a brother who's six years old and a brother who's eight years old, and they just want to pound on each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's that, and I really like uh, Lewis uses the idea of uh, when you find someone and you say to them. You too. I thought I was the only one. That filial love sort of stands side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and gazes out at at something, some shared um, interest or compassion. So, um, you know, you might bond with someone over a love of sports, over a love of literature, over a love of coffee, over you know whatever it is, and that sort of friendship bonds oftentimes because of the things that you share and the interests that you share, the loves that you share. Um, Eros is then takes that sort of shoulder to shoulder outward looking and turns toward one another and you're looking at one another. That's sort of the, you know, erotic love, you know, comes from that. And then agape, which is the word here and which is the word that we typically are talking about in the context of scripture is, um, a yes, less utilized Greek word outside of scripture, but has come to sort of refer to the love exemplified in Christ and the love of God that we see in the, ultimately in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. So the categories you were talking about, but you know, any chance to bring in Lewis and a little bit of Greek, always helpful, right? I love it. Cause uh, I didn't, I didn't know all that. I knew some of it, yeah, but not all of it. I'm sure you could have pulled it to mind given a little bit of time. Uh, definitely not the Greek <laughs> words for sure. I could yeah. have given you the categories. Yeah, I was at a. I was at a. Well, that's that's neither here nor there. Anyways, so this is uh, yeah. So love. So we have mm-hmm. these different categories, ways of thinking about love, and and I do think you're right. I think that oftentimes, and and, and this is sort of the the cultural climate in which we live. I think of the the yard signs, you know, love is love and whatever else. Sort of what do we mean by that? And I do think you're right that a lot of times what pops into our minds is certain romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And and um and I don't know that what Paul is saying is that the fruit of the spirit is romantic relationships. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I think that that's that's not that's not at the heart of a biblical view of of love. Um, so what is, what is at the heart of a biblical view of love? Um, well, I'm gonna, um, not use my own brain here. Okay. And I'm going to go to a little bit of scripture. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Oftentimes this scripture is, um, read at a Mm. time of romantic, relationship yes. joining yes. in covenant marriage yeah uh when it, it actually has 
I don't want to say it has nothing to do with covenant marriage or yeah. love relate like romantic relationships because I think that it does. But it, this isn't primarily what Paul is speaking to. He's not like writing to married yes. couples here saying, yes. "Hey, yes. this is how you love your spouse." Yeah. Um he yeah. does that and that gets real interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about it. Yeah. <sighs> Um, but this is from 1 Corinthians 13, and he says that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things love never ends as for prophecies they will pass away as for tongues they will cease as for knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when perfect when the perfect comes the partial will pass away it goes on mm-hmm. um I'm going to skip some because yeah. not that it's not important. Just uh, So now, faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Yeah. Well, uh, man, there's so much in there. Oh. So much in there. So much. And I do think, I, I will quote verse 12, which you skipped over. Oh, darn. Sorry. I no, no, just I just think... Reading. No, you're good. So uh, Paul says, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And I think that that gets back to, then you know, then we shall be known even as we are fully known mm-hmm. or we shall know. And I think that it get back, gets back to our sort of fear and love conversation that one day the sort of the veil will be removed and then we will enter into the fullness of God's glory and relationship with God. And in some sense, one of the reasons in which love is greater than faith and hope is that faith and hope have an expiration date. Okay. Faith and hope are not needed when we see face to face. Okay. Yeah. Um, and because it's reality. It's reality. Yeah. 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 Faith is lost in sight. And, and, you know, Paul says elsewhere, like who hopes for what we have, you know, hope is about expectation. Hope is about something coming. And once that is there and once we have entered in, then the thing that remains, the thing that is not going to go away, is not going to be diminished, but will only be increased, is the love that God has for us, the love that we have for God, the love that then is disseminated and that we share for one another. So love will only increase and will only grow, whereas faith and hope will um, eventually be lost in sight and in reality. Hmm. You look quizzical. I just not ever really thought about that before yeah but i like that i have a question for you yeah i think that some of these in this passage are um fairly straightforward and practical practical and things that we can um achieve or attain or at least a goal that we can strive for yeah and then there's some of these things where i'm like ah what okay so love bears all things okay i can mm-hmm. wrap my head around that one believes all things now we're getting into well, what are you talking about paul yeah hopes all things and then it wraps back up with endures all things and it's like yeah. okay i i can wrap my mind yeah. around that one too but uh believes all things and hopes all things yeah what what, what are we talking about there uh that's a great question my first impulse is I wish I had a commentary at hand. Yeah. But I so I think that so I, I would say two twofold to me when I my first my first impulse in, in reading that is that so this is this is in the context as you stated, Paul's speaking to the church. Chapter twelve is Paul speaking about the gifts of the church and the body and the many parts and um and they're all gifts of the Spirit. So this is a very parallel passage to Galatians. Mm-hmm. And then the greatest of these, the more excellent way, is the way of love. And so it, it's 
it's still in the realm of this is a spirit gift, right? This is this is not a human thing that we're talking about here. It's a spirit thing, this love that we're talking about. Um, so to me, the, the, the belief of love and the hope of love is tied both vertically to belief um, in Christ, that to love Christ is to believe in him and to believe, in some sense, all the things that we have been taught, all the things that have been revealed. Um, and I do think that love and trust go go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And um, and as you grow in trust, you grow in love. Hopefully, as you grow in love, you go and grow in trust. So to believe all things, um, all of what has been promised. But I also do think, and this to me gets into, or at least part of what I would understand as the definition of, of love is um, believing and hoping all things for the beloved. So uh, I, I don't know who first sort of said it, but um, love desires that which is best for the beloved is sort of one of the ways, I think, to think about love. Um, to love someone is to desire the best for them. And so I think in that sense, to believe all things, to hope all things, in the sense of if that's directed toward the beloved, um, someone that we love, then is to uh, believe on their behalf, to believe for them, to hope for them that the promises of God and the gifts of God and the the blessings of God and to, um, to sort of to hold that. And I think, you know, maybe you can see this even in, in like wedding vows, right? Like, to, you know, plenty and want, joy and sorrow, sickness mm-hmm. and health, sort of, um, or just the the general... The, the when we talk about the psalms other i think bonhoeffer talks about this and others have talked about this that there are times when you read a psalm that you can't pray for whatever reason like you can't speak those words but someone else can pray it for you mm-hmm. someone else can offer that word for you um, in times of grief often often we need someone to intercede for us and in some sense i think we need someone to believe for us uh, if you if you've lost someone, if you're walking through that time where you're in the valley of the shadow and you you don't see what God's doing, we need someone to believe for us. And I think that is the action of love. Um, that is the um, embodiment of love in that in that moment is to believe on behalf of someone who can't believe themselves in that moment. Th- those would be so to me. There'd be sort of that vertical dimension, and then that sort of horizontal dimension um, that that gets us at. Thoughts? that that, yeah. that track? It tracks. Well, and just the language of beloved, I think, is... Um, I don't know what... It's one that strikes a chord with me mm-hmm. um, because, I don't know, it's not a word that we use frequently right (laughs) yeah like i don't call jessica my beloved yeah you know yeah (laughs) or even my children my beloved yeah um and so but it's very tender i i think it's a very tender term yeah Yeah. and it's um there are quite a few devotionals i think about uh henry nowen and some of the things that he's written about how we are yeah. the beloved and that we, if we're acting out of our belovedness, if we know and are rooted in yeah. that we are beloved by God, yeah. then that changes really everything that pours out of us yeah. too. Is that yeah. first we have to, not first, I think, well, I don't know. At some point we yeah. have to acknowledge that we are indeed beloved by God Yes, and yeah. that, that that affects the way that we view him, that affects mm-hmm. the way that we view ourselves, that affects the way that we start to walk into any um, different situations. And so when we're talking about love being wanting what is best for the beloved, and we are called to love our neighbor like I, I have a tender spot in my heart for my family and for yeah. my um 
spouse and for my friends. And then once you step outside of those concentric circles and you go to neighbor, yeah. quote unquote, yeah. wh- whoever else, yeah. there's not a belovedness to them mm. that I have mm. for them. There, yeah. There's not yeah. that tenderness yes. for them. Um, and it's almost like until you cross a certain line to mm. these um, kind of inner circles of my yeah. life, that you don't take on that belovedness. So to, yeah. you know, I pray, help me see um, people as you see people. Yeah. And to really think that there's a tenderness that I'm I'm missing in yeah. some other people, I think mm-hmm. that would change the way that I would really interact with them. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I like, I like that. It's yeah. It's sort of challenging to me yeah. because I know that I don't have that tenderness once it gets outside of a certain yeah. sphere yes of of people i i really i appreciate that and it is a challenge and i would agree with you i think and i think that's sort of and to go back to like sort of the you know the four loves that sort of natural familial love mm-hmm. is sort of an easier category maybe to bring under agape love right right <laughs> those that i naturally love and and care about and have that connection with as my own flesh and blood it's easier to see them and treat them as the beloved and and part of the the challenge of the project of god in christ is that we are now family right brothers and sisters in christ with people of every tongue and tribe and nation and that God is even bringing enemies together into family. And, and so that sense of belovedness is our call, which is just not intuitive, right? right. I mean, like yeah. that's, that's the language, like that yeah. belovedness that you feel for your kids and for, you know, your wife, like, like, okay, now you have this larger family. And so in the same way that you naturally love them, right? That that's a that same thing is good. And now I want you to do that and be that to this larger community. I mean that, that, which is well, it's hard, right? And I even think that you saying like how you naturally feel. I don't know that we're naturally inclined towards love, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I, I don't I think that that is a very learned yeah. ability and okay. it's yeah, and, and it's a learned ability over over time. It's a learned thing over time. Yeah. Because I know that part part of the reason that I love the beloveds of my inner circle yeah. is because I know that they have demonstrated at some point in my life that they, with some sort of consistency, have my best interest Hmm. at heart, too, right? Yeah. And there are people in my life that I don't know that they have that, but I at least have a history with them and some sort of need to... Well, I'm a a peacemaker. I'm a middle child peacemaker. My brothers may argue about how much of a peacemaker I am, Uh, (laughs) But I sometimes to bring peace, you got to bring the hammer. That's right. right? That's right. Um, but there, there is a certain level of, you know what? I will accept this bad behavior or this thing that I don't deem as good or right or worthy for the sake of the balance of the community, which Mm. is my family. And I can take that in turn because I'm doing what's best for not just you, the beloved, but all of the beloveds that are around in a sense of unity and, and for a sense of, of we're all on the same page here moving forward. And to do that outside of that circle or to expand that circle is terrifying because I have no history with them right it is it is an entire leap of faith to say you know what i am going to do what's best for you unknown beloved person yeah and even if you don't 
have my best interest in mind. And even yeah. if you poo-poo all over my parade, yeah. or not even my parade, you poo-poo all over somebody else's parade, I'm yeah. still going to do what's best for you. Yeah. Even though I don't have that um, uh, that his- history of of well-intended or at least sense of 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 family and camaraderie there um i don't know i i just think that that is so well my first instinct is that is so insanely stupid why would you (laughs) leave yourself hanging out yeah there like that why would you leave because you're not just putting yourself out there like that you're putting your quote unquote inner circle out there like yeah. that because yeah. it's yeah. inviting in yeah. somebody into that spot. It's expanding that that circle. And you're gonna upset the balance. Yeah. Right? Especially if you're somebody who who likes balance. Yeah. Uh if you're a, a table turner, you may it may yeah. not bother Woo-hoo! you so much. Let's but go. yeah. Um I don't know. I just I do think that it is so unnatural. Yeah. It is it is so and maybe unnatural is not the right word. Maybe it should be natural. Maybe that's the way that we were created to be. And there is a, a the thing that is unnatural is that we don't feel this towards everybody. Mm. Um, and then you get into the what's best for the beloved. Yeah. And how do you interpret that? Yes. How do you distinguish between what's best for them, even if yeah. they're shirking against what is quote unquote best for them? Can I go back just a little bit of what Please you said? Please go back. Because I think that I do want to get into that though, because I think that's really important. And but I, I just in terms of sort of that that circle and opening them up. I, I mean, I do think when we think about the example of Christ as the embodiment of God's love, and I uh, I just actually heard someone sort of. A, a sermon on the idea of John 1 and God tabernacling, God making his residence in Christ amongst his people. And uh, this person was talking about how in their ministry as a pastor, they've tried to do this in the different communities of which they've been a part. And I do think that love, while we can love groups and sort of, hum- I don't know, humanity generally, like the 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 love that we're called to it seems to me is always personal mm-hmm. so it's it's the it's not just my neighbor in a general sense but it's um this person whom god has called me into contact with how do i love them right it's there's there's always maybe maybe say that there's always a face to the person that i'm supposed to love and so I do think that the part of the invitation of love and part of the command of love is to follow Christ into people's lives and to be engaged in people's lives and to get to know them and to love them in the context of a relationship. And, and not that we can't, I mean, I think there there is sort of a general sense in which um, we can love people even if we sort of don't see them face to face. But I do think that's sort of the primary means of operation of love um but alongside that i think the other thing that strikes me about love as we see it in this passage as we see it in scripture um someone i don't know who someone has said love is a verb and and i think there's maybe more to be said but i i do think that this is one of those areas where we often think of love in terms of feelings and how do I sort of feel about someone? And can I bring someone into a feeling that I have for my closest of kin and stuff like that? And even like looking through this, it, it's patience, it's kindness, it's not envying, it's, it's not being arrogant. It's um, don't rejoice in wrongdoing, rejoice in the truth, bear all things, believe all things, hopes all things, endures all things. None of that has to do with feelings, mm-hmm. right? Like none of that has to do with sort of what we would think of as, oh, do I love this person? It's like, not do I love this person, have you loved this person yeah. is sort of the, the question. And so I think when we pray for our enemies, when we pray for 
um, you know, a, a Putin or something like that. Like that is that is an, a way in which we love our enemies. When we, you know, when you stop and talk to someone on, you know, the corner of a on-ramp and give them the dignity of a human contact face-to-face. Um, I'm not saying I always do this, but like when you do that, like that's an, that's an action of love, right? Regardless of whatever feelings may be going on. Um, being patient with a kid. Yeah. Uh, I don't, what, what are you going to, yeah, jump well, in. I just, I think that's part of the challenge of this is because it is action oriented and it is, um, it's, you also spoke of that this is relational, right? Yes. And so yeah. sometimes this is really difficult for me, I think, to kind of see these different situations and different people as not some sort of like randomness happenstance that mm-hmm. is is like they're not and and that's why I was saying it's the, it's the hard thing to bring them into the inner sanctum of in the yeah. inner circles is because they it seems so random and I'm never going to see that person yes. again or yeah. I mean I don't yeah. know if I'm ever going to see that person again yeah. but there is kind of these I, I think it's it's the problem of a globalized world yeah. is that it yes. used to be sequestered into different communities and yeah. your neighbor was your neighbor Literally and your was neighbor. always going to be your yeah. neighbor, yeah. right? And yeah. you might have some travelers that came in and out, but even as they came in and out, they were staying for multiple nights probably. Yeah. And they were, you know, yeah. along the way and they were bringing news and everyone like gathered around them to, yeah. to hear what was happening. And so there was a lot more just inherent relationship there. Whereas yeah. now we have more um, just kind of sporadic Mm-hmm. interactions with people yeah and so that makes it yes. a little bit harder in my mind it yeah. makes it a little bit more difficult to love them as intimately as a beloved person yes than it does as just kind of this blip on the radar of yeah. humanity that's passing by me yeah um i i totally agree with you and i and i do think i, mean, I think that it's a challenge in a church like ours mm-hmm. because we're not a parish church yeah Right, we we did hear a couple of years back the the video series Godspeed, and I have to say, like, there's a part of me that was like so jealous of that pastor. Thou shalt not envy. I know, right? But hey, <laughs> living in small town Scotland, yeah. like, come on, who who wouldn't be? I guess there are some people that wouldn't be jealous <laughs> of that, but <laughs> I can't step into their shoes. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, but also the, just the ability to to literally walk walk the parish and be in those relationships, and you know it'd be really hard for me to walk the parish of First Church. <laughs> I, I could spend a day and not actually get to anyone's house, right? Yeah. Um, definitely not going out to Broken Arrow. Okay. Yeah, come on, Broken Arrow. Uh, I'll, hey, I'll, uh, if anyone wants to get uh, some Indian food at Tondori, guys. I will. I will definitely. Meet We're going you in, to Broken Arrow. I will meet you in Broken Arrow for that. Uh, hit me up. This episode is sponsored by Tandoori guys. <laughs> I wish. Uh, so I think that I think that's a. It is hard, and I. I'm interested in your thoughts. I think two things that come to mind for me. One is that I do think that even in the context of a sort of of a globalized world and social media, I do think that there is still an invitation and a necessity, even with how we're created as sort of physical beings to find that community and and who is my neighbor in a literal sense. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that the church, and I I say this as someone who um, I am, the quote-unquote introvert, and I'm sort of antisocial when I don't have to be social. And, like, when I get home, my first impulse is not, I should go meet my neighbors and be friends with them. My first impulse is, uh, like, let me close the curtains. 
<laughs> before we got married, Hannah would come over, uh, like come, you know, we spend time together, and I always had the curtains closed at the front door because I just like didn't like the idea of people looking in and out. And she's like, "You're, you're like a vampire. Like you're, <laughs> you're like living in the darkness. Come, anyways." But I think that that's that's not a good thing in me. Like that's a fault in me. That's a that's a in some sense, like unloving, uncharitable, unchristian impulse in me. And I think that, um, like we, we still do have neighbors, you know, what does it mean to engage them? Um, on a larger scale, like there's community of just the, the people, the small groups that whatever it is that we're in. And I do think that that's an important question to ask is what does that look like? What is that sort of physical body of people look like outside of my immediate family with whom I'm called to engage. Um, That's sort of one. But on the other hand, I think that to me in the context of globalization, in the context of the world in which we live and, you know, we have, I think we have followers, right? Uh, Supposedly. Supposedly. Somebody listens (laughs) Maybe, you know, it might have been one of you that was like traveling, lives in Oklahoma, (laughs) but was traveling and listened to an episode and, uh, oh yeah, we've got people, we've got downloads at least in, like several different countries several different countries several so you know what does it mean to be in that sort of beloved relationship with you who are listening from somewhere else right i think that's a harder question but i do think to me that's part of where just the knowledge of our unity in christ and the knowledge of being the body and being the family of of god in christ at least helps me to think to think about that and to be able to pray and we can pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world and if we happen to be in a place where we do meet them then we can encounter one another not as strangers but as those who have sort of already prepared ourselves to see one another as the beloved because we've recognized our unity in Christ and so i think there's maybe and and that's sort of a like it's potential energy, right? There's mm-hmm. there's potential energy with people that we don't come into contact with, um, that just because of our theology of the body we can prepare ourselves for. But then there is the immediate question of like, how am I engaging the world, my community, my neighbor, here and now, concretely, um, where God has called me? And to me, there's a sort of, um, well, as moderator of this channel, yeah. <laughs> self-deemed moderator yes yes um i'm definitely not gonna moderate this. yeah uh, uh we we do need to start wrapping up so let's yeah. let's uh give some obviously this is a large subject yeah we're never gonna be able to get i don't know flesh this out completely yeah. right yeah um but anything in addition that you want to add that we haven't really touched on that you want to dive into for the last Man, little bit I, well I do think the reminder of our own belovedness is is hugely important. That, and again, it's you know the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, and I think an aspect of that is recognizing our own belovedness in Christ, and then which is, I think is is confirmed by the spirit and mm-hmm. and cannot be confirmed apart from the spirit. But the spirit is the spirit of consolation, as well as conviction, and so many other things. But um, and then. And then as we, as we are love, so too we love. Um, but I think that you brought up and we've talked a little bit about desiring the best for someone. And, and I think this, you know, uh, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth sort of gets at that. I think that as Christians, part of how we, part of loving people I mean, at the end of the day, like how to love someone is to desire that they would come to know Christ Mm -hmm. and to desire and to love someone well is to desire that they would come to be in the fullness of relationship with Christ and would, would live life in, in that context, um, and filled with the spirit and, uh, in obedience to his word and, and this is this is really a can of worms, right? Yeah. But I, I think that maybe two things that I can say without getting too too deeply into the can of worms. But I think that um, 
we need grace from one another in the in the church because I think that there can often be a sense of name calling and saying you're not being loving or you're not being loving, and I think that we 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 need to maybe have a better recognition that I think it, I think. Uh, maybe assume innocence until proven guilty that I think many of us are trying to love people well and we have a difference of maybe opinion on what is best and so therefore what love looks like and what love calls us to and but I think if we can at least maybe assume until proven otherwise that our Christian brothers and sisters are seeking to love people well that at least is maybe a foundation upon which to build and have conversation mm-hmm. um, in the midst of disagreement. Uh, the second thing, I don't remember the second thing I was going to say. Me neither. I don't know. Okay, I'll say that. I'll stop there. Oh, I thought that was well said. I, I've got nothing. Perfect. There's not a whole lot that rattles around in this old noggin here. <laughs> I just kind of say the first thing that comes to my <laughs> mind. <laughs> all the time oh man well there's a lot i mean yeah there's lots more that could be said but look to christ self-sacrifice we do need to get into paul in ephesians 5 yeah we do right i just As, yeah, blah, blah. but i mean I, maybe just the basics the, the the nature of love too we haven't talked about this enough maybe is is, is self-giving okay well this sounds like instead of wrapping maybe, up yeah love that we have another episode on love maybe love part two love part two it may turn into joy part one too (laughs) we may get there they're all tied together right so we can kind of just you know be like a i don't know what i was gonna say it would be like but it'll be something we've talked at you enough yeah it's me for 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 one day for one day (laughs) we'll do it again yeah in a in a while in a while in a bit thanks for listening jackson Thanks for the conversation. Yeah, and anytime. Always enjoyable. Yes, it's really. We record on Mondays, and sometimes it's like, oh, uh, it's a strange start to the week. It is. Yeah, it is true. You know, it really kicks you into, in, into gear. Yeah, for I don't the week. know that my mind is always working the most efficiently on a Monday morning I following a Sunday. But I think maybe that makes good conversation, right? It does, yeah. The filters yeah. are not We're not here for efficiency's sake. No, that's true. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever done anything for efficiency's <laughs> sake, but... Oh, man. Okay. Cool. Peace. Go out. Love well. Fear the beloved. <laughs> <laughs>